This episode may contain adult themes and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Sorry. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Film Critic and the Common Man podcast. While other film podcasts might kill terrorists, we always end up killing one with comically tiny feet. Every episode, we discuss a film from the perspective of a film critic and the perspective of a common man. We may not agree, but it certainly won't be boring. I'm your co-host, Ben Miller. I write about films from my own site, Ice Cream for Freaks, and I'm a member of the North Texas Film Critics Association, as well as the International Film Society Critics. You can hear me guest on other pods of the David Thewlis Podcasting. I'm joined by my brother and common man co-host, a man who always knows the importance of keeping his shoes on, Mr. Jake Miller. How you doing, buddy? Man, you got it. <laughs> you freaking nailed it. I am going to talk about the importance of uh, quality footwear this is way so longer than I should. Absolutely. I mean, it's, I'm sure we're going to get into it a lot, but I mean, something as simple as not having shoes on is such a big difference. You're <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, we talked about the, the, the uh, Forrest Gump episode. It's like, what's the most important thing Lieutenant Dan has? Take care of your feet. Because it's it's not, he's not wrong. And Words of wisdom. <laughs> words of wisdom. Um, 23 episodes later. Um, we are uh, keeping on with our uh, Christmas miniseries. And today we have the least Christmassy one, but actually occurring on Christmas Eve the entire time. Regardless, it is Die Hard. We are talking about the uh, classic Die Hard today, the original. Uh, directed by John McTiernan, written by Jeb Stewart and Stephen E. DeSouza, based on the book Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe, starring Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman, Alexander Gudinov, Bonnie Bedelia, and Reginald Vell Johnson, co-starring a bunch of people uh, that kind of had a good run through the 90s and uh, because of this movie. Uh, Paul Gleason, Devereaux White, Clarence Gilliard, uh, James Shigeta, Hart Bachner, uh, Grant L. Bush, Robert Davey, and William Atherton opened on July 15th, 1988. It's hilarious. This uh, July movie that set on Christmas Eve, but regardless, um, July 15th, 1988, um, really blown away by how much money it made compared to what I was expecting. I thought it was going to be like, oh, this made $350 million. Mm -hmm. It only made 82 million domestic. Um, really surprising. Um, now for 1988, Huge success, huge success, but still 82 million domestic, 58 international, 140 million on a budget somewhere in the realm of 25 to 35 million dollars. Um, was nominated for four Oscars uh, best sound, best sound effects, editing, film editing, and visual effects, all very well, uh, you know, the kind of things you would expect from an action movie. Right. Um, interestingly, the thing that really surprised me is Rotten Tomatoes 94% critics, 94%. Uh, audience yeah they rarely line up that well especially for like an action movie it's it's, yep. it's it's incredible for a movie to sync up like that yeah it usually seems like the action films yeah high on audience low on critics and this but. is so i mean this is one of the most critically adored action movies of all time for good reason so we're going to get into a lot of stuff about this movie we could go into it a lot of different type of things. Uh, I will give a quick plot summary real quick of Die Hard. 
from uh, from the year 1988. So Die Hard is uh, on Christmas Eve. New York police detective uh, John McClane arrives in Los Angeles to meet his wife, who uh, is there working. His wife, Holly, played by Bonnie Bedelia, uh, at a party held by her employer, the Nakatomi Corporation, the Nakatomi Building, Nakatomi Plaza. So he's mm-hmm. taken there by a limo driver, uh, Argyle, um, mm-hmm. who uh, is just so he's kind of waiting out to see what happens if he's going to like hang out with his wife or have to get a hotel or something like that. He goes up there, uh, meets his wife. It's a little bit of tension, a little bit of sweetness, um, but uh, but it's kind of in limbo at this point. And uh, little do they yeah, know that they're, they're separated at the time. Yeah. So, but yeah, at the same time, that, that little scene where they're like, kids would love to have you and I'd love to be there. I missed you. And then they start right. fighting again. Like, as ah, uh, it's yeah. So that's always that. It's so, so McLean is uh, changing his clothes and his, uh, this guy in this, this idiot in the planes, like you got to make fist with the balls of your feet that it's like better than a cup of coffee in a shower. So he does that. So he takes off his shoes. And at the same exact time, uh, Terrorists led by Hans Gruber, played by Alan Rickman, uh, heavily armed men come in, kill security guards, and pretty much take over the whole floor and the whole building. Um, McLean is able, uh, thanks to two people having sex in a different room, uh, is able to escape out of uh, Holly's office and into the stairs and just kind of get away without anybody knowing he was there. So he's secluded from everybody else, and the terrorists are up there. Um, Gruber uh, takes Holly's boss. Mr. Takagi, uh, and essentially they want, tells him, it's like, we, we don't care about terrorism or anything like that. We actually want the money in your vault and mm-hmm. you need, you have the access to this. And he's like, no, I don't have the whole access. So they kill him and they start trying to access the vault. And, uh, McLean is kind of going around in the side, just kind of stay out of the way, but gets, but, and then is trying to alert people downstairs, calls the, calls a fire alarm. Um, so he starts picking away at terrorists one by one, and the cops eventually show up, led by uh, Al, Reginald Val Johnson, uh, you know, Carl Winslow, as as yep. he will forever be known. It's, it, you know, seeing him in a cop uniform, you're just like, well, there's Carl. Like, it's just, it, it, it's, it, it's Reginald Val Johnson's gift and curse. But uh, regardless, so Al Pal is there, and he is, uh, the terrorists are kind of like, do a really good job of deflecting any problems, but uh, McLean throws a dead body onto his car and then they start lighting up the car. And so cops, cops converge. It's a big mess and press shows up and uh, Al is talking back and forth with McLean through the CB and Hans is talking back and forth with uh, McLean the CB trying to figure out everything that's going on, trying to get a lay of the land of everything. Um, essentially they figure out what's, uh, there's he's running around he's killing terrorists he blows up a part of the building with c4 um then Mm -hmm. meets hans but uh is able to get away um not having shoes they shoot a bunch of glass and he steps through it's a big mess the fbi shows up which hans anticipated and the fbi cuts the power to the building which actually releases the vault um the plan being that they're going to send all the hostages up to the roof Whenever the FBI lands there, they're going to blow the roof up. Um, they don't know what's going on, and they were going to escape in an ambulance. McLean throws a wrench into all that plans. The roof still explodes, but McLean's able to get away. Um, Hans finds out about Holly, takes her hostage. McLean comes and rescues him, uh, re- rescues her, uh, shooting uh, a guy who is, believe it or not, not Huey Lewis. 
He looks just like Huey Lewis. Yeah. Uh, I, like it's every time I see him, I don't know his name. I just see him and go, Hey, it's, it's Huey Lewis. But um, mm-hmm. so he kills him and then shoots Hans, but Hans tries to pull Holly off the building. Um, he is able to release her watch and Hans falls to his death. Um, they get down. They're about, everything is uh, hunky dory. Uh, but Carl, the second command, uh, Alexander Gudinoff, um, is kind of, comes back from the dead like a zombie about to kill McLean. Al, who was uh, who was trepidatious about shooting because he previously killed a kid, shoots mm. uh, shoots Carl, um, and everybody walks away happy. And the end. Uh, there's some dead people, but uh, generally a pretty good outcome of everything. Um, there is so 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 much to get into with this movie. Um, yeah. Just real quickly before yeah. I forget. Yes. Whenever he says, I killed a 13-year-old kid, I yeah. couldn't see, I thought he had something. It's a ray gun you know, or something like that. I was like, it was Steve Urkel. He- <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's that that's why family matters ended when it did. The he funny smoked Steve Urkel. It's funny, uh it, it's it's funny having the idea of you know, if you put it in the historical context of a 1988 black LAPD mm-hmm. officer accidentally shooting a kid and he's just like, yep. oh, I made a mistake, but it's no big deal. I'm just a cop. I just don't like pulling my gun anymore. I'm like, you're still a cop. Like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot to go there. Like, but <laughs> yeah, especially the events of like the last 15 years. You're and like, I, like what, Rodney King's three years after this, like, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. so this is the thick of all that. So yeah, <laughs> but there's a, yeah. Like, it's And, uh, as we mentioned la confidential like yeah yeah that was the end of controversy like and and the lapd lived happily ever after exactly yeah it's the same thing it's 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 this this is exactly all carl from family matters being said this is not exactly this is by no means cop propaganda this is they're like really like the like the swat team that tries to go in are a bunch of idiots um al seems like he knows what's going on but he's more of like a down-to-earth guy the the deputy chief uh played by uh um that's paul gleason uh the the uh Dwayne t robinson um right. he's more of a politician than he is a cop i'm sure you're very familiar with, uh yeah, you're, yeah i'm sure you're very familiar with more of those political minded guys than there are oh, yeah yeah so i mean um very that those type of guys and then you know the fbi guys thinking they know everything and actually don't. And, uh, you know, um, the, the big thing about this movie is again, historical context, as far as where they were in the sense of this, like, so Bruce Willis had not really starred in a movie. He was on a TV show at this point, uh, moonlighting, very successful TV show, got a couple of Emmys. Um, but at this point he had not really main had, had been a star of a film and they gave him an unprecedented salary. It was like $7 million. It was like unprecedented. To in be, 88? In 88. It's, yeah, it was unheard of for a guy who's never been in a movie before. Well, this movie works specifically because of his own self-loathing and his... And there at the time, you got to think of the time of what the 80s were. Like, it was all mm. Stallone and Schwarzenegger and these larger than life guys. And Bruce Willis is a pretty normal looking guy. I mean, he's in good shape. Don't be wrong, but he's just a, he's just a cop. He's, he's not a 
super cop. He's not a, he's not Jack to the gills. He's not throw, he, not doing inhuman things. He's just a guy who gets the crap beat out of him the whole time. And that makes it work. Yeah. And also like just as human vulnerability yes. uh, is exposed early on mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, this guy's having marriage problems and misses his kids. Everything's and it, not going good for this guy. No, no. it's, and it's, uh, a, and I will say like, uh, especially in law enforcement, you know, having that work yeah. and family conflict, mm-hmm. very common. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, marriages frequently fall apart and- I mean, that's so, what he, he tell he tells him on the he tells Argyle on the way there is like I got a six month backlog of New York guys. I like even the guys I've arrested, they're still waiting trial and all this kind of stuff. And they right. like I can't just leave. Like it's it's I, so I understand that part. But Willis in general, um, <laughs> there was this one scene that I couldn't help but notice. This thing that Willis does is when he's creeping around. Uh, I think whenever uh, uh, Takagi gets shot. And he's kind of creeping around the court. He's like crawling on the ground. He does this thing with his mouth where he's, he's, he's got this, uh, like this weird, <laughs> this weird mouth rounded mouth thing. I don't know what it is. It's, but it's, it's so specific to Willis. And I'm it's, like, yeah, it's a Willis it. thing. I don't even think yeah. about it. I'm just like, that yeah, works. And his, like you said, his vulnerability, you know, picking glass out of his feet as Al tells him about shooting the kid and he feels bad. And then he talks about, you know, you know, five minutes later, he talks about if I die to tell my wife, all this kind of stuff. And it's just, he does everything right. The other thing that makes this movie work and probably the thing that I have the most fondness of is Han slash Alan Rickman. He is so good in this movie. Um, Mm -hmm. Alan Rickman, by the way, his first movie, his first movie ever. Um, he really? was, he was in, he was on Broadway for a really long time or he was in England and doing stage work and he had, uh, he had, um, popularized the, uh, the male lead in dangerous liaisons, uh, Valmont. So he, he was renowned for it, getting all sorts of awards attention. They just like, Hey, we're going to make an adaptation of this movie for American audiences. It's like, great. Yeah. We got Glenn Close and Michelle Pfeiffer in it. It's like, cool. I'm going to be the lead. Right. And they're like, no. So they gave it to John Malkovich and movie was a huge success. Um, But Alan Rickman was just like, okay, I guess I'm just going to be this kind of actor. And they pulled him out and put him in this. And that was history. He is so good. Yeah. I will say he nails the foreign bad guy role. Yes. Yes. Um, But I, I, I may disagree with you here is something I thought about is his character in Robin Hood. <laughs> of thieves. Yes. <laughs> Are they different? Okay. So, Except that he's in medieval times okay, in Robin Hood. And then so, so in this, I'm movie, like, it's almost so, the same. So one of the things in this movie that I really like about it is he is ruthless willing to kill absolutely anything to achieve his goals, but still very suave and articulate. He's, he's very intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I love read. I love thinking about Robin hood and Alan Rickman in it because they 
the the producers and director of Robin Hood really, really, really wanted Alan Rickman to play this role. And uh-huh. they're like, hey, come read our script. And he's like, nope, don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. He's like, nope, it's, it's, I absolutely do not want to do it. And they're like, well, you can change some things. And Alan Rickman goes, no, I want to do whatever I want to do. And they go, okay. <laughs> and they let him do whatever he wants to do. So everything you see on screen, that's out of Rickman's head. And he just goes, I'm going for it. And that's what makes the movie so interesting. As like, yeah, because hey. he's so, he's just doing his thing. And he plays a great, he's a suave, intelligent, bad guy. Yes. Yes. And at the same time, from what I understand, uh, rest in peace, by the way, died a couple of years ago, but, uh, but, Oh, did he, he did. He passed away. I want to say three, four years ago. Um, oh. from what I understand, the sweetest human on the planet. Um, really? Apparently him and Bonnie Bedelia, who plays, uh, plays mm-hmm. uh, Holly, had lunch every day and were just talk back and forth about acting and, and just like just sweetheart of a man. And then even on Robin Hood, the chaos of that, he was really sweet. And then um, I like watching him in movies where he is sweet because generally um, Sense and Sensibility, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of an yeah. old-timey movie. That's a good one where he's like, He's a sweet guy. Um, Harry was he Potter too. Actually, he was. He was Emma Thompson's okay. cheating husband. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, he always has that kind of inherent darkness to him, even though he yeah. he has the. He's like I'm suave, and it's like it's it, it's kind of he's almost typecast, and he's like, well, you can't be all the way nice. Yeah. Well, I mean it's really more realistic. I mm. mean, he's more realistic as a character. Absolutely. Are any, are any of us completely good? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know what I mean? It's I'm, there's evil, there's different motivations. We all have our flaws. And Hans, I mean, and Hans's evil is even like, well, what idiot put you in charge? You did. Oh, you really caught me off guard. It's like, that's a good point. I should probably start taking care of these people back in the bathroom because I don't want people peeing on each other. Like, like, okay, very obvious. Like, it's not yeah. necessarily, like he doesn't have to. And be. like, yeah. yeah, there's a pregnant lady that Holly brings up and he's like, we'll take a sofa down. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah exactly, yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, he, it's, and he keeps all these things in mind and knows all this kind of stuff. And the, just the general refinement of all it's all, like, he, he makes this movie uh, for me. Like whenever I think of this movie, I'd like, yeah. I love Hans and I love Alan Rickman. That being said, you can't have a good guy without a bad guy and have a good guy without a bad guy. And so I, I read something about this movie. So Bruce Willis was still doing his TV show moonlighting at the time. Mm. So he was working like 17 hour days and he was so exhausted at times he would be on set and the director would be like, work with the writers like, okay, let's give Bruce a break and let's expand everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so as that, it made everybody else that much more interesting. Um, so we talked about Alexander Gudinov, uh, the uh, Carl, the long haired, uh, the long haired number two in charge plays a great like hulking psychopath um uh, and, and then carl's brother um paul gleason obviously Devereaux, right down in the uh da- down the limo driver argyle uh theo uh not uh, this yep. obvious obviously where your son is named after um clarence gilliard uh he passed away last week um oh did he really yeah so i mean it's been a it's been a rough rough uh rough couple i years know for diehard people everyone's dying uh uh yes um so uh, 
Clarence Gilliard is Theo. He's a lot of fun. Um, you know, uh, oh my God, the quarterback is toast. But I want to I want to talk about one guy more than anyone else, and that's Hart Bachner. You don't know Hart Bachner, but man, he is so slimy as Ellis. And he's you talk Mm -hmm. about a guy, he's like, okay, so who am I? I am a yuppie cokehead who is in love with Holly, and I think I know what's going on. And he's and they're like, Yep, spin him up and send him out. And he is great. He's so good. He is great at being probably the most hateable character in this <laughs> he's, movie. He's so even awful. over the murderous terrorist. It's, it's it's the only death where you're just like, yes, thank victory. God. <laughs> okay, so that scene specifically where he's trying to impress Hans and you know it's like work through. Yeah. Why do they, why do you think they bring him a soda? Do you have you thought about it? Because I I I thought about it and I have a theory. I, I would say it's the same thing as whenever, um, like we would do interrogations mm. of people and it was, you need a water or a coffee. It, it's rapport building and boost their ego. Okay. And they went the ego route. It was like, obviously this guy's, oh yes, sir. We'll get you a Coke and all that. And I, then. That's their end. I, I, I think it's I think fucking it's, play with them. I think it's dumber than that. I think he turned to them and said, "Hey, y'all got some coke?" And they brought him a soda. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that angle. <laughs> and he's like, "You're he's probably t- right." <laughs> it's. I mean, everything he does, John Boy. Uh, you know the the doing the obviously doing the lines of coke talking about just like i show him the watch and never thought i'd like to hear he's so terrible but at the same time he yeah. he, he plays it to such a t um yeah. still acting consistently did a little directing in the 90s uh but hart barkner big winner in this one um so is there like i, I really like reginald Val johnson and obviously you know mm-hmm. um bonnie bedelia plays a really interesting role because I think Holly could really easily come across as a shrew or a wet blanket. And yeah. And, and, and she really balances like, Oh, I, I, I like Holly. Like she's, she knows what she's doing. She's good. She's good at her job. Yeah. And it's kind of, um, and plus things were different in 88 than they are sure, now. Sure. A working woman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a working successful woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that was a bit more unusual. And there's, I mean, I think it's something uh, a lot of people have to struggle with is sure. Like, like I said, that work and family balance. And at that time, my that wife makes more money than me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> My wife is more than welcome <laughs> to go make way more money than me. My wife, I, suppo- my wife supported me for years. <laughs> I was like, I was in school, yeah. and I was like, by all means, like, I, I, yeah, I'm, I do not have the ego to be like, no, exactly. I have to make more. Like, if you make more money than me, by all means, like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's but like, yeah, what's yours is mine, and what's mine is yours, and but, so it's a team effort, and yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, nowadays it's pretty easy for us to go. We can just say that. Yeah. Hey, 
go make that cheddar boo boo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but uh, but but, but back then it was. But Holly in this movie, she's not like she's not she's not a she's not a wet blanket. She doesn't suck, mm -hmm. and at the same time, she the 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 cool thing this movie does is it really recognizes the relationship and the comfort they have between each other because mm -hmm. the final scene when when you know mclean has the gun taped to his back and and hans has the gun to holly's head and he you know hans makes the motherfucker line and then holly and then they start laughing maniacally she looks she's like something's up like she's not just it's not like he didn't just lose his mind. It's like something's wrong. Okay, here it comes. Here it comes. Like she, it's the comfort level of like, they felt like they were a couple. Like, well, yeah. And, and there's a great line that I really love is where, uh, when shit really starts going down, when John's really starting to kick ass mm -hmm. and, and she says to one of her coworkers, she goes, no one oh, only John, John can drive someone that crazy yeah it's like he's still alive it's just like yeah it's like <laughs> it is it's no i know my guy and he's driving up nuts absolutely it's that level of comfort and it's like his job he's, and you know his his general idea his cop like he hmm. does so much so right so quickly at the beginning he's like okay he gets out of there what's the first thing he do does He's scanning the, he's like, what's going on here? What's going on here? What's going mm -hmm. on here? And at one point he, he checks one of the floors is his computers. And then he's, he runs up the stairs. He just opens the door, sees computers, shuts the door. And as he's running up, he goes like 33 construction, 34 computers. Like he's, he's inventory. He's like, what, what where do I stand? Where do I stand? Like where do I again, where all the hostages are on the 30th. Nobody else is in the building where it, they mm -hmm. were moving stuff in 31 they're moving like he's getting a lay of the land before he does anything he doesn't yeah. immediately charge in yeah and uh along those same lines something i love is whenever um sergeant powell mm. uh he's talking to the assistant chief yeah uh i forget his name Dwayne, uh, Dwayne t robinson yeah and he's he's like this guy's a cop yeah he's like how can you tell yeah. he's like i can tell yeah yeah and things that said. is yeah that is absolutely the truth like i i can be at a restaurant or i'm not a cop anymore but just the way people carry themselves. i can see guys i'm like that's the cop yeah <laughs> and then you start to look for things and you're like okay now that all it all adds up and it's like does he have something in his back well yeah he probably has a gun because he's a police officer like it, it just yeah it's notice bulges and yeah. uh like the guy in the restaurant like with his you know his, his back his back he doesn't have anything in his and back. he's watching the... he can he can he, he yeah nothing behind him yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense um yeah you so, can recognize your own. So this movie was revolutionary in as far as the formula. Um, one man against a force, and he's just a guy, and he has to fight off one by one to get to the goal of whatever that goal is. So the diehard formula being that goal, I have a little game for you to play. Um, I am going to okay. describe a movie that ripped off the diehard formula, and you're going to have to try to tell me the movie. All right. Okay. So 
How about Die Hard on a bus? Uh, speed. Yes. So that's exactly what this is going to be like. Um, okay. I, I uh, so <laughs> that's pretty good. Okay. Um, so this one, uh, this one is. Um, I, I, so for example, uh, continuing this would be like Die Hard in a airport would be Die Hard Two. Um, but I, I'll I'll stay yeah. away from Die Hard movies. Um, how about Die Hard on a mountain? On a mountain, uh, bad guy, and uh, for I, the, I've never seen it, and it's probably a complicated plot. Sylvester Stallone, Ooh. cliffhanger. Oh, okay, okay. So that's all right. It's all right. I, th- I think we're going to do a little better as we keep going. Uh, how about Die Hard on Alcatraz? Uh, The Rock. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> die hard in a hockey arena Ooh, a hockey arena I, I i don't know if you've seen this movie it's a jean-claude van damme movie it's it's they my favorite it's my favorite one of his movies it's called sudden death it is so dumb it is so dumb like he's he's at the pittsburgh penguins game with his kids and something to do with terrorists and they have the vice president he has to be a goalie at one point it's so stupid god it's dumb but it's it's a it's a blast to watch um okay how about Die Hard on a battleship with Steven Seagal? Oh, I I cannot stand Steven Seagal. <laughs> okay, so this he is, the, is best... the biggest fake. Okay, so it's the best case scenario of Steven Seagal. It's Under Siege. It's the original Under Siege. Oh, Under Siege. Bad guys, Tommy okay. Lee Jones by the... Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey are the bad guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. How about Die Hard on a train with Steven Seagal? Trick question, Under Siege Two. Okay, so. <laughs> Um, how about Die Hard on a plane with Steven Seagal? Trick question. Wow. He dies. Executive decision. We have we talked about that previously. <laughs> okay. I actually heard someone say that that was his best movie because yes. he dies. He the dies quickest. fifteen minutes in, and the rest <laughs> yeah. of the time it's a Kurt Russell movie. It's a great movie. I, I actually, highly. Actually, I think you said it. Great movie. Great movie. I love Executive Decision. Um, okay. How about Die Hard on a plane with a black actor? Snakes on a plane. You took away my next one because I was actually talking about <laughs> I was talking about Passenger Fifty Seven Wesley Snipes. The next one was going to be Die Hard on a Plane with a black actor with snakes. Now it's the Snakes on a Plane. Okay, Die Hard on a Plane with ex convicts. Conair. There you go. Okay, Die Hard on a Plane with the President. Uh oh shit, Harrison Ford. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Come on, you're getting there. Get off my plane. Air Force One. Yes. Great Gary Oldman performance. Don't lecture me on the rules of war. Don't. Yes. Um, (laughs) I remember you always liked that line. Uh, And okay, two more. Die Hard in the White House with a black president. Uh, Is that White House down? Yes, it is. Now, Die Hard in the White House with a white president. (laughs) <laughs> it's one of those it's it's the volcano dante's peak of years where they both had they both came out uh no mm. gerald butler oh <laughs> Shit. and I, I i saw that too olympus uh, has fallen yes <laughs> so i mean it's the formula and it works because it works because half of these movies are pretty decent 
Like even the first under siege is yeah. pretty okay. I mean, but I mean, so, I mean, that formula has worked throughout the years. Um, how familiar are we with the diehard franchise out of this? Like, have you seen diehard two, three, four, or five? I've seen two. Okay. So two is the one in the airport with hit with right. Holly is flying overhead and it's ridiculous. Um, uh, so one of the prisoners from Shawshank is the bad guy in that. He starts out doing naked Tai Chi at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um, John Amos is there. Dennis Franz is a cop. A lot of goofy things going on. It truly set the bar for how bad a Die Hard movie could be. Right. But, but three, Die Hard with a Vengeance is great. It's, it's as close to as good as this one is. Um, does that still have Willis in it? Yes, it has. All, all of them have Bruce Willis. So this one is in New okay. York. Um, Die Hard with a Vengeance is the third one. He's in New York. I'll he, have to watch that um, one. I don't, he, I don't think I've seen that one. That's a really good one because it connects a lot of this. So he's in New York and a guy is blowing up things with these homemade bombs. And um, Samuel L. Jackson is involved. He's a, uh, he's a locksmith that just kind of gets involved accidentally. And uh, they keep targeting McLean and they don't really know why. And it's, it turns out it's a heist and it's uh, Hans's brother doing it. Oh, okay. It's Jeremy Irons is Hans's brother. Really good. I really enjoy it. It's, hmm. it's, it would be the best of the series if it wasn't for this one. They, they made a fourth one uh, in the mid to mid late 2000s uh, called uh, um, Live Free or Die Hard. It, it was one of those things before people knew what the internet could actually do. They're like, ooh, we could steal things and change records and all this kind of, I stole your pension right. like that. Like, okay, well, it's, it's kind of computer hacky stuff. And then they made another one a couple of years ago called A Good Day to Die Hard, which was real bad. But okay. um, yeah, I mean, Die Hard with a Vengeance kind of set the tone and everything else went on from there. Um, yeah. And something I like about uh, this movie is there there is actually historical context behind it because um, through the 70s and 80s, there were a lot of fringe terrorist organizations yeah. uh whether underground and uh, i mean hans talks about it whenever he's making his fake demands he's like yeah. the, the, the asian is asian dawn he's like i read about him in time magazine like <laughs> all that kind yeah. of stuff like terrorists were hot they were yeah. uh it uh and yeah there were a lot of like uh communists or socialist terrorists there were also right-wing terrorists high a high, lot of high, plane hijackings yeah yeah um environmental terrorism There's always something popped yeah. up back uh-huh. then and so um yeah it was it was a common thing yeah. um during that time there was there was a lot of fringe groups going on sure. uh during that time so, um i, I I okay, so before we get into the true question of this movie is whether it's a Christmas movie, I want to talk about one specific scene and I want to know your opinion on it. So at one point in the movie, Hans is going to check the explosives on the roof. And he yeah. checks it and then jumps down and he runs into McLean and he yeah. fakes an American accent to act like he was in the party. And McLean acts like he's with him and then he realizes it's hans and tricks him and gives him a fake gun and or an empty gun 
And yeah. Okay. So my question and the question that is the question of the logic of this movie, how does he know that Hans is Hans? Like he does everything right. Like, so, so in the movie, he's like, mm. so you got out of there. Oh, I'm John McClane. He's like, clay, Bill clay. And he looks at a directory and says, WM clay, like William clay. And you're like, okay. He checks out. How does he still know? Is it just intuition? Is it just like, I have a feeling? I mean, do you know what Probably, I mean? Yeah. And also like his fake terror. Like, mm. no, no, don't shoot me. Like, yeah, yeah. I think you can tell like, oh, this person's pissing theirself literally yeah. or shitting theirself or whatever. Why, why are they in this like, weird place on the roof? Like of all the places, like. Yeah. And I was thinking that I was like way more people have gone through uh, uh, ventilation vents <laughs> as someone who has installed ventilation vents, a grown man in there, you're going down. I said, like, they're flimsy. They're not like reinforced. <laughs> no, it's very thin metal. Yeah, and I mean, all it's designed to do is move air. It's a, it's a not it was, people. It was a MythBusters episode. I think they said, okay, is this possible? And what they did, they essentially said, okay, let's make it big enough. Let's make it feasible to have somebody in there. And what they did, they essentially put somebody in there, and they had somebody on the other side, and it was extremely loud. It was ka 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 ka. It was like somebody hitting cymbals. Like yeah. yes. <laughs> so I mean, all those kind of fun things. Yeah. When when he's being discreet up there, and the guys like poking yeah, yeah, yeah. him, barrel. Yeah. It's. <laughs> I mean, this is this movie is as realistic as it as it can be. But you always have those stretches, like like jumping off the roof with a fire hose. It's probably not going to work. Uh, you know, all that kind I of. I wouldn't try it. I wouldn't try it. No, I wouldn't. Um, all, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> even to the point of like, you know, if your back's covered in blood, is tape going to stick to you? <laughs> I mean, so you know, all those kind of things. So yeah. the re the real question of this movie is: Is it a Christmas movie? So. It, it, it comes out in July. It's mm. it, it, it debuts in July. It has legs, obviously. I associate it with Christmas because, it, but it's a California Christmas movie. There's no snow. It's right. warm. Um, yep. It's, it's not really an aspect of like weather wise. Nothing says it's Christmas except for the fact that it is physically Christmas. Now yeah. there's uh, Al is singing, let it snow. Um, obviously, uh, you know, at the beginning of the movie, uh, Argyle's playing the Run DMC rap song, and you know, it's a Christmas party. But do you and view McLean whistles? Yeah, yeah, Christmas yeah. Music. Obviously, it's a Christmas party. Yeah. There's Christmas decorations. Yeah, and I mean, all that kind of stuff. And it's everybody's got to tell you that every second it's Christmas. Mm. But do you view this as a purely Christmas movie? So it's funny. Um, I think probably three or four completely unrelated podcasts that I listen to this debate <laughs> really I'll keep coming occurred. up so yeah so I'm and usually I'm usually there's one I watch, 
where this guy had die hard is a Christmas movie. He had like a shirt and then another guy had die hard is not a Christmas movie. But I personally would argue that two things can be true at once. I agree. I agree. It can be a standalone action movie. Yep. I, I, I would argue the first half of the movie is a Christmas movie. And the second half is your traditional shoot em up, bang em up action. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I would agree with you because, you know, usually I'm usually way on board with like, I watch it every Christmas. It's just what it's part of my routine. It's yeah. the list of Christmas movies. It's one I watch, but if it's on in the middle of summer, I'm not going to not watch it. So right. like if, if, if elf is a good example, if it's on in the summer, I'm not going to watch elf. Right. Like, like it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a decidedly it's doing on exactly. It's like, Oh, Christmas story on it's like, it's April. Like, what are you talking about? Uh, yeah, I would, I would argue that it's 50, 50. Yeah, I agree. And I, it, I felt it can stand alone either way. I felt less That's inclined. Fine. This is the first time in a while I'd seen it and gone like, okay, I much more get it. And, you know, even the stuff like, you know, Hans is, you know, the, the, the vault opens and, uh, Ode to Joy comes yeah. on and yeah. And then yeah, Theo says Merry Christmas and you know all that kind of fun stuff. So I mean, there's all that. It, 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 the atmosphere is there, but like you said, it doesn't it doesn't stop me from not wanting to watch it in Christmas times. I would never right. watch a Christmas story outside of the two weeks around Christmas. There's no. no. Why would you? Yeah, I think I think this is an action movie set around Christmas. I agree with you, but so yes. is it a Christmas movie? Yes. yes. Is it an action movie? Yes. yes. Absolutely. I think yes. they can stand alone either way, basically. Yes. I agree with you 100%. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back. All righty. All right. We are back. Uh, before we get, uh, before we keep going, um, we talked about it in the opening. The, the fact that McLean goes this whole movie without shoes and yeah. it's so vital to i mean not even the vulnerability it's like well it has that emotional vulnerability but i mean i don't want to walk around my house without shoes on like <laughs> um yeah that's a real problem for me <laughs> so i mean and and the reason it is is because it's really easy to bleed out of your feet because as you would imagine all your blood kind of goes, pulls down your feet a little bit. Um, yeah. And you're running around a lot. It's a very vulnerable position. It is. Feet and hands are uh, are very vulnerable. Uh, I saw a guy almost bleed to death because he was in a motorcycle accident and went down on his hands mm. and just took all the meat off his hands. And he... It was basically like slitting his wrist. wrist. Mm. So, yeah. So, I mean, feet are the same thing. All those, that's where they all end up. Yeah. So, I mean, just Uh, the idea of just running around, not even, not even on the glass, not even all the other stuff. Just imagine running around on the gravel roof or up the stairs. Just. Nah. It, uh, so do you recall a few years back, um, we were going on a fishing trip 
and I spent the night at your house. Yes. Do you recall what remained on my feet even asleep? I believe you wore shoes the whole time. I did. <laughs> uh, and j- j- I'm on the road all the time and almost always shoes on my feet. Jake, Jake is famous. There are three things that Jake always has. His legs covered, shoes, yep. and a hat generally. Like it's very rare for you not to have those three things on you pretty much at all times. And a knife. And, an- <laughs> and almost always it's a Kershaw. <laughs> Did we mention we're open for sponsorship? <laughs> uh, no, but, but that, yeah. yeah, that drives me nuts. Like I've got a, whatever is the uh, absolute antithesis of a foot fetish. It's the opposite have, of that. I get it. I get it. I think that I don't too- want to look at your feet. I don't want to look at my own feet. And I'm like, yeah, what if Hans Gruber attacks the building you're in? <laughs> you, you and you're to, barefoot. You have to stay, you have to stay, no, no pun intended, on your toes. Like, just in case, keep your shoes on. <laughs> I told my wife, uh, I said, literally, if I was in John McCain's position, I would have put my shoes on before I grabbed my gun. Not joking. <laughs> He's like, hold on. He's like, hold on there. Terrorist better, better have these slip. Good thing. I have these slip ons with me. Like, <laughs> I love that. Like, and, and it's a very, and, and that's, it's a very humanizing aspect to it. And you're like, man, what would I do in that situation? I certainly mm-hmm. want to run through the glass, but you have to get out of there. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things like, well, I guess I'm going to die. Like, <laughs> Man, even if he had had house shoes, you would have had a you still would have had tremendous a advantage. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, even the like, that, you would have been so much better if this is, hadn't uh, fucked up your feet. These are my go tos, and look at the look at the look at the reinforcement on this. A piece of glass isn't touching this. I'm good. It's like it's it's not going to be the funnest thing. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to be the funnest thing to run in. But you know what? I'm not going to be in a bathroom picking glass out of my feet. No. I'm not going to drag my bloody feet into a bathroom. <laughs> and it looks so paralyzing too. Like the, the idea, like if you think about it, like if you think of like home alone or things like that, yeah. it's like, Oh, like, Oh, getting burned on your head. Okay. Paint cans, the head. Sure. Even, even if you don't have any problem with spiders, all that kind of stuff. But when he steps to that nail, I'm just like, Oh no, <laughs> that, that ends my night. Maybe I, whatever is in that house, I don't want it because yeah. I don't want it. <laughs> that's not worth it. Listen, folks, don't ever take your shoes off. <laughs> just feet are gross. Don't let anybody tell you any different. <laughs> no, wear good footwear. Yes. And always be prepared to be able to run, fight, or hide. Yes, yes. Regardless of the ground circumstances. And I mean, even even hanging from the roof from a fire hydrant, he's, his feet are bloody and gross on glass. I'm just like, just <laughs> the whole time, just not very pleasant. Yes. Um, and I also hate heights. <laughs> So this is just this is just not a situation you want to be in. Nah. <laughs> I was on a 12-foot ladder this week. 
we, we talked about the Christmas vacation episode about falling off, and look what happened. It was two days later. <laughs> I fell off a fucking ladder. Literally. <laughs> fractured my wrist, dislocated my thumb, and then, uh, oh, what else is I going to, there was something else funny about that. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, yeah, oh, so uh, I took uh anti-inflammatory pills hmm. after i mean it was swole up like sure sure you've seen that trick you know like where they blow up a medical glove yeah, like a yeah. balloon yeah that's about what it looked like so i took these anti-inflammatories and yeah and i took them on an empty stomach oh and no put me on my ass <laughs> and then i thought I've got to eat so I can take my back pills. And I was like, <laughs> God damn it, I should have ate before I took those. We, but my we, wrist didn't hurt. I just wasn't <laughs> conscious for a while. Oh, PSA to all you people out there. Always wear shoes. Be mm -hmm. careful. Be careful on ladders. Don't, we, save, we save lives. This is this don't <laughs> get on ladders. Just stay <laughs> off. All right. Every week I go through the filmography of a filmmaker and put Jake Cinemac knowledge to the test. It is time for Poll for a Dumbass. And today we are going over the career of, uh, of the main man himself, Mr. Bruce Willis. Um, oh. Getting uh, This is his first big movie, as we said. Um, has a long and storied career. Um, we wish him the best of health these days. He has uh, recently been diagnosed with aphasia, which is essentially oh, a... No. Um, it's a, it's a trauma either induced by head trauma or a stroke more likely where you essentially can't talk and can't remember anything. Um, we talked to, a couple wow. of weeks ago, we talked about, uh, Shelly Duvall getting her Razzie nomination rescinded. Um, mm -hmm. last year, Bruce Willis got a Razzie nomination for, I think the set, like the 12 movies he did in the one year. And, there's a there's a system i guess this this uh, i think he's a russian oligarch or something he'll pay one star like a million dollars to be in a movie for 10 minutes they'll put him on the poster and then kind of make the movie for really cheap around it well willis was needing the money because i think he knew his career was about to be over so mm -hmm. he was in a lot of these and the razzies gave him a nomination for worst supporting actor for all these different movies they rescinded that after they found out about his aphasia diagnosis. So, um, I mean, uh, best of uh, best wishes to him uh, going forward. Yeah, definitely. That that sucks. But yeah, I mean, that sounds uh, tough. Gosh. And, and when I go through his filmography, as we'll go through here, every time I'm like, man, I forgot about that one. Man, I like him in that one too. Man, he's good. Like, he's got a lot of hits. Now, don't get me wrong; he's got a lot of misses. But yeah. I mean, you can't win them all. Um, so, uh, so starts with Die Hard. Does a little. Uh, I, I'll. I just want to mention he was the voice of look of the baby and look who's talking. Um, I, won't, I won't mention that one, but, uh, oh. but uh, um, then makes Die Hard two two years after this one. Um, the first one I want to mention, I don't know if you've seen it, uh, has a very memorable opening scene on a uh, on a football game where a guy shoots three people on the field. The last Boy yeah. Scout. Yes. Yes. I have seen that actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just specifically because that scene because that scene specifically yep. yeah um uh he's really good in it he's you know does his charming mm. bruce willis thing very up his alley um the thing i like about bruce willis a, a lot of what he does throughout the years is he'll every once he doesn't do it very often but every once in a while he'll take a chance 
it's kind of like yeah. Adam's, it's kind of like Adam Sandler. Like he'll do his comedy. He'll do his thing, what he does. And then out of nowhere, he's like, Oh, I'm going to do this thing. And you're like, man, Adam Sandler's pretty good. And Bruce Willis does that. Um, and, uh, you, know, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And he, sometimes no. he takes some shots and, you know, sometimes you make Hudson Hawk and other times, but this one in 1992, uh, uh, one of the favorites, I think of our mother, um, death becomes her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good yeah. one. He, he plays a real sheepish guy. Like he's yeah. not, he's not like very not Bruce Willis. Yeah. It's that. Yeah. It's, it's very not his typical role. It's why yeah. I like, it's why I like when he takes those type of shots. He's like, well, mm-hmm. that's not something you expect, but he did really well in it. Um, the next year, probably, you know, it's probably his most famous, his, a, a role he doesn't necessarily, um, you don't really signify him with this movie, but you forget he's in it, but he's really good in it. It's Pulp Fiction. Have you not seen yeah. Pulp Fiction? No, I've seen okay. Pulp Fiction. I just don't really remember him. You remember, this, exactly. So like you remember Uma Thurman, you remember John Travolta, you remember... And the whole, th- there's a third of the movie where he's a boxer and he's trying to get away and him and Ving Rhames are taken down to that basement okay. and try to be raped. And like, it's, uh, okay. okay. He's, not, he's, he's not bad. He doesn't do anything. It's a very Bruce Willis type role just in this movie. Like, I don't know why he's so forgettable among, I guess it's just so much interesting happening. And that's just the lack of. There's. And there's there's quite a bit of star power in that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's there's just a lot going on in the, yep. in that movie. Yeah. And and that's and Bruce Willis is not the thing you think of, even though he's really good at it. Um, yeah. So uh, having you know, he was in he's in Pulp Fiction. It kind of resurrects his career at that point um, because he had a really rough 1994. But then he comes back in 1995 with Die Hard with a Vengeance, um, and then mm. um, yeah. my my personal favorite movie with bruce willis in it though not necessarily my favorite bruce willis performance um 12 monkeys you ever seen 12 monkeys i haven't it is i've heard of it it's great it's great it's 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 trying a lot of stuff it's time travel it's brad pitt going for it young like he's it's good movie like a lot of interesting aspects to it um kind of the time travel thing it's it's always fun um but uh uh, really uh, recommend 12 monkeys but um following 12 monkeys and die hard with a vengeance he's kind of back on track and in 1997 has a uh, has a double feature um have you ever seen the fifth element yes yes um it, it's another one of those where you're like he does Three the- tits. <laughs> yes he's a uh, pg-13 boobs yes um and-, and there's three of them you get a bonus <laughs> no 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 that you're thinking of total recall Oh, never mind. <laughs> well, God, I just pulled an Appaloosa <laughs> slash a doggo. <laughs> no, no, it's fair. You, that's why you're the common man. You don't like you assume it's like, hey, boobs. You automatically assume the boobs. So, and then you just associate the two. That's I where I. That's where I went. <laughs> no, uh, uh, Fifth Element. I think you have seen the Fifth Element, probably. Mila Jovovich yeah. and. And orange chair. Orange chair. Yes. Uh, multi pass. Okay. Multi pass. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, um, good movie. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Another another yeah. one just like uh, Air Force One where Gary Oldman is going for it and having a lot of fun with it. Um, the same year, um, I think this is a, a, a movie much more up your alley. I think our grandfather was a big fan of this one. How about The Jackal? Yes. 
Yes, him and uh, Richard Casson. Yes, Richard Gere yeah. with a ridiculous Irish accent, and but Bruce Willis having a blast, having a blast being a bad guy. Um, a lot of fun with it. Um, in Richard Gere's defense, how good is your Irish <laughs> accent going to be with gerbils stuck up your ass? <laughs> This podcast does not endorse nor uh, nor oh. say anything. <laughs> we, I don't know. Just trying to please don't put rodents in your rectum. It is probably uh, probably something you should probably not do. Um, so ninety seven uh, fifth element the jackal ninety eight um, up to that point had his biggest box office success and that's with Armageddon. Of course, a yeah. very very not good movie. With a very, very good Billy Bob Thornton performance. He's yep. he's great in it. And but the the movie in yeah. general, it's just it's so dumb. It's just like like well, you're just watching it's like, God, this is stupid. My my whole problem with Armageddon was okay. Our dad worked in the oil industry yep. Yep. his entire career. 100 percent Yep. A very talented engineer. But <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Yes. <laughs> Wouldn't it be easier to train an astronaut to be a driller than to train a driller to be an astronaut? Fans, if, 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 if you have not seen it, and Jake, I would suggest you to do the same. Go to YouTube. Go to Armageddon Ben Affleck Commentary. And on the Armageddon DVD, they do the commentary over the movie. And Ben Affleck goes on there and he has an Oscar winning performance in this commentary because he goes and he's like, this is dumb. This is really stupid. And, he, <laughs> and, and I'm sure and his what, boss has appreciated that. <laughs> well, he goes on, he goes on and he goes up to the, he said, I recounted the story and this is, and this is, you know, in mid twenties Affleck. So he's full of bravado. So he, mm. he said at one point he goes at the director. He's like, wouldn't it be easier to train astronauts how to be oil drillers? And the director goes, yeah. He said, Ben, shut the fuck up. And, <laughs> and he goes, okay, I guess that's the end of that conversation. <laughs> All right. But Armageddon. How much is my check again? Exactly. Um, <laughs> just like you see my nice pearly whites now that I have, since I have Hollywood money, I got huge fake veneers. Um, the thing about um, Armageddon, it was a massive hit, made over yeah. $500 million. It was a huge hit. Um a precursor it, it, it's something that i know is stupid but if it's on i'm like i'm gonna watch I'll, it too i agree i'll watch i'll watch it very prescient the same year um a movie i will always watch um i uh it was arab terrorist targeting new york for the sake of terror the siege in 1998 yep with denzel washington a very like like the fact that it was Almost. made 1998 was creepy almost yeah predictive it's weird like like yeah they're, they're arab and terrorists I it is strange and they're arab terrorists there are megalomaniacal americans trying to push narratives based on these terrorist actions like there's so many things that go in really strange directions like the fact that it was three years before 9-11 is wild right like but, what did you guys know exactly very good movie i like the movie though um yeah uh Okay, so he he you know he has hit after hit after hit, lots of hits on the way, and then in 1999 he makes the movie that makes the most money he has ever made and will never make again. It's The Sixth Sense. Of course, a yeah. great 
a great film and a great performance. Great performance by him. Again, not yes. a, not a not a Bruce Willis performance. A subdued, quiet psychologist. Yeah. Killed no action. Don- no no action. Killed by Donnie not Wahlberg. Really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, great great movie. Uh, one I haven't like. It's kind of lost a little bit of its luster, I guess, just because of Shyamalan's kind of up and down career. But I, I haven't yeah. seen it so long. I need to go back and rewatch it just to be like, man, because at the time it was, a, it was a phenomenon. Well, I mean, at the time, just whenever he realizes he's a fucking ghost, I'm yeah. sorry. It's, I don't care if it's cheesy or anything like it that. It was. <gasps> it was insane. It was the, the twist to end twist. You're like, ah it's yes exactly um so six cents sends him into a whole new plane of fame and mm-hmm. he's had this long career six cents makes a ton of money and then he goes on a couple runs of some really interesting movies uh did the whole nine yards the next year do you know the whole nine yards yeah uh, yeah probably one of the best examples of the friends non-jennifer aniston who have been successful in a movie matthew mm-hmm. perry in that movie is a lot of fun he's a lot of fun yeah. uh man pete's really great how about uh, the next year? You see the movie Bandits? I think we might have talked about this when we did Billy Bob Thornton's uh, Pull for a Dumbass. Um, Bandits is uh, is Billy Bob Thornton, Bruce Willis, and Kate Blanchett. Um, those two are, uh, the, the two guys are bank robbers, and she kind of just gets wrapped up in it it's a it's kind of a love triangle good good fun fun flick uh if you get the chance um reunites also with m night Shyamalan uh for unbreakable yes a movie i've I've probably i've probably only seen once i'm not i've only seen it once and and you know a lot of people are big on the this is this is actual and like six forget the sixth sense unbreakable is his best movie i'm like "Eh, okay sure sure um so Kind of, kind of staying more in his lane at this point in his career. Uh, how about 2002's uh, Hearts War with him and Colin yes. Farrell? Yes, that's a, a POW movie. Yes, yes. I I watched that on physical DVD. Whenever I moved, I had just moved into an apartment and yes. my cable wasn't set up yet. And you're like, I got it, and you rented it. But uh, yeah, yes. and. <laughs> But it was one of those things like uh, where they're like, we'll be there between 9.30 and 7. (laughs) You're like, could be any time. And then 6.45 rolls around, they show up. Yeah. So I I went and rented like four or five DVDs. And that was one of them. That's how I remember that. So Hearts War back in 2002. Um, Another war movie. um, Not like Hearts War. It's probably the closest. It's like there's a lot of movies post saving private ryan that went a little harder in the paint than other war movies how about 2003's tears of the sun yes good one um it's uh they're in africa somewhere um yeah. trying to rescue and, and you know a uh, lot of a lot of good character actors in that monica bellucci cole hauser from yellowstones in that too um mm-hmm. uh, yep. solid solid flick um yep. Does a couple sequels, uh, did a whole 10 yards. We won't mention that. I want to mention this one in 2004. How familiar are you with the Oceans movies? Mm, I think only like the first two. Okay, so you've seen Oceans, have you seen Oceans 12? Yeah. With Bruce Willis. Do you remember him in it? 
very, very vaguely. Okay, so it's it's so like at the time it was almost too smart for everybody to be like, this is dumb. In hindsight, it's hilarious. So Julia Roberts' character is posing as Julia Roberts in Italy uh, for for the sake of this con, and they go into a hotel, and Bruce Willis is there, and he's playing Bruce Willis, and he mentioned he sees her and assumes she's the real Julia Roberts. And then they kind of have to play like, right. Yeah. yeah Julia yeah. Roberts. And yeah. he's, he's real fun with it. And, and everybody's kind of like, he, he makes fun of like, like Matt Damon comes up and said, Oh, I knew the whole time he was a ghost in the sixth sense. And he's like, yeah, that's why the movie grows to billion dollars. And he's a lot of fun with it. And they, they, I, I will say in that movie, they do a good job of uh, making pretty much making fun of themselves and yes. celebrity yes. in general. They do. They yeah. do. Um, He's made a long history of playing cops in various situations. Um, how about the one I, I know you see, uh, or you tried to see this. I don't know if you ever got around to it. You tried to watch it in a movie theater and it was sold out. But um, how about 2005's Hostage? Uh, mm. I'm going to go on a limb and he, uh, he's a hostage negotiator. It's it's a it's an okay movie. It's it does some interesting things. We were in California at the time. I was working in a movie theater, and we were able to get free tickets to all these movies. And you and our dad were trying to go watch this hostage, and y'all ended up having to go watch a different movie with me and my mom, me and our mom, because hostage yeah. was sold out. So um, I, I wasn't sure if you'd ever seen it. I'm uh, I'm not sure I've ever seen it. Okay, so another cop movie. This one much much better. Uh, reuniting with the scar. Uh, uh, excuse me, not not the director of Sin City, a different director. Um, getting a little uh, around myself, but uh, playing a older cop for once, actually leaning into his age. Um, Two thousand six, sixteen blocks. Mm. An exceptional movie. Um, I once went on vacation with a girlfriend of mine. We showed up. And we were so zapped from our trip. We're like, man, we need to, we're like, we could, I don't think we could check in the hotel. So we randomly found a movie and it was 16 blocks. And we we're like, maybe we can fall asleep in there. And we both ended up really enjoying it. It was a great movie. And, hmm. and one of my favorite Bruce Willis performances. Um, this does Live Free or Die Hard, the fourth Die Hard movie later that year. Um, how about uh, probably the most like, cartoonish action he's had and he had at this point how about 2010's red retired extremely dangerous him and morgan freeman and john malkovich and helen mirren a lot of fun it's like a there used to be cia mm-hmm. assassins um good move uh, I, I seek it out it's 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 if it's on tv and you see red go throw it on it's it's red red just called okay. red um now i mentioned earlier how it was my uh, how 12 Monkeys was my favorite Bruce Willis movie. My favorite Bruce Willis performance. A movie I remember liking and rewatched this last week because of how much I like him in it. Um, it's a Wes Anderson movie. It's called Moonrise Kingdom. Um, I'm not going to include it in the, in the list, but I just want to mention it. It's, it's another one where Bruce Willis gets out of his comfort zone. He's a sweet, quirky huh. sheriff of this little coastal town in New England. He's a sweet guy. He ends up adopting a kid. Really, really great performance by him. Uh, I just, I, I, I was reading about his aphasia diagnosis and I had to read that. And I'm like, oh, I got to go watch the uh, uh, Moonrise Kingdom because of how good he is. 
Now, that same year, Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom, very quirky. Wes Anderson in general is a quirky guy. I'm going to eventually make you do a Wes Anderson movie just for the sake of your sanity. Um, just kind of what he does. Uh, he, do, he does some weird stuff. But anyway, um, same year, 2012. How about Looper? Uh, yeah. Looper. I don't, you don't think love- I liked it very much i i like i like a lot of what it was trying like it it deals with time travel and at one point bruce willis meeting joseph gordon levitt his younger self it's like i don't want to talk about time travel we're gonna be sitting here making diagrams out of straws like oh okay cool like we're just gonna move all that kind of stuff he's he's good in it um reprises his role from uh the couple years later reprises his role from unbreakable in the movie glass um the last thing i have saw him in um, and I really liked him in was a movie uh, directed by uh, Edward Norton called Motherless Brooklyn from 2019. Mm. It is a uh, it's like a, a Edward Norton has uh, Tourette's and he mm. is uh, he is a detective, essentially. And uh, Bruce Willis plays his mentor. Um, Willis is really good. And I really like the movie in general. Some people didn't like it. Uh, me and my wife both watched it and both were big fans. So uh, uh, Motherless Brooklyn might not be a bad idea to Motherless go. Uh, Brooklyn. Motherless okay. Brooklyn, yes. Okay. Um, and uh, so Motherless Brooklyn was in 2019. That was his last uh, theatrically released film. Um, since then, he released, he has uh, gone 26 films, uh, just the little cameos and that kind of stuff, uh, yet to be released. Uh, just because of, uh, I guess, uh, trying to get his affairs in order. Um, like I said, we wish the best to Bruce Willis. Uh, yeah, his, definitely. Definitely. But uh, you did great. 15 out of 20. Um, that's our. Did I do that well? You I did didn't that well. No, like I was doing well. 12 Monkeys, Bandits, Hostage, Red, Motherless Brooklyn. Everything else is a yes. Okay. Pretty good. Um, I got it. I'm, I'm slightly impressed. So that does it for pull for a dumbass. Well done, son. I uh, think it's about that time. Each well, week, each episode, instead of me staring the conversation, Jake peppers me with a series of questions that I must answer truthfully. Sometimes it's trivia. Sometimes it's not. What is it, buddy? Step into the hot box, man. In, 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 get in there. I'm in there and uh, have a seat. I'll get you some water. Uh, <laughs> you want Coke? Hey, guys, you got any Coke? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for you. All right. So uh, the majority of the terrorists in this movie are German. Yes. What is the German word for shit? I believe that would be Scheiße. Correct. Uh, yes. How about No. Uh, nine. Okay. How about danger or warning? Uh, um, uh, oof. um, uh, 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 it's, it's, it's going to be a word. I know I just can't associate it to danger or warning. It's going to be like a actum. Actum. Yeah. Yes. Got it. Yes. Nice. I don't even like you too. And that they, they saved me there. Uh, they, they have a, you they have too a, did. They have a, they have an album called actum baby. And it's, I don't listen to YouTube at all. I don't like their music. I just know that is what it kind of means. What it's called. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Um, 
who's your favorite supporting character in this movie? Obviously, there's you, you've got your b- bigger names there. Who's yes. your favorite supporter? I I'm a big okay. So I I want to I want a little shout out to Grandel Bush and Robert Davy, Big and Little Johnson the uh, the uh the fbi oh, yeah. agents i like both of them uh especially robert davy just is like this is agent johnson no nah, no the other no one. the other one <laughs> or or they're there uh, whenever they're in the helicopter there were, two, there were two millers that might please but i can't tell you how many no the other one <laughs> or my the one of my maybe one of my favorite lines in the whole movie is they're in the helicopter heading towards the top and he goes yeah just like fucking saigon a eh, slick he's like i was in junior high dickhead yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i really like and, and on that note uh i was four when this movie was released and you were two i was two yes exactly just like saigon eh? no (laughs) our younger brother was not yet born at the time of the release he was a a month away away, yeah so um but i'm gonna go with um i'm gonna go with clarence gilliard uh playing theo he's you know yeah he's he's part of a terrorist organization but he doesn't do any he doesn't threaten anybody he is very good at his job. He's funny. I mean, it's like, you can break the code. It's like, well, you didn't bring me along for my glowing personality. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Just like, just like adding, he is good. adding more than what's on the page. Like on the page, I bet you Theo was a pretty shallow, nothing character. And just the little mm. things this movie does, like the, the Asian guy who, when they're about to kill, the, when they're about to shoot the SWAT guys, he steals a crunch bar like for no reason it's like he looks around it's like you have murdered people and you're worried about stealing a candy bar like right <laughs> it's great like all those little things like that like a lot of these actors really transcend what they do on the page and clarence gilliard is probably the one that does it the most mm-hmm. um what about you i would say i gotta go reginald Johnson. yes al is great it's- he is great He's really the hero of this movie, if you yeah, ask me. Absolutely. He's, I mean, he 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 does everything, he, he doesn't make a mistake. Except right. like yeah, and and and, and he and, admits the previous mistakes. And and even but, and one of yeah. this one of my favorite shots in this film is the cinematography is really cool. But um, so whenever he's like walking the floor and he's like walking down the hallway and he says, To hell with this. Well, like in the foreground right here it's like really close and you can see a guy holding a gun like he takes a couple steps further he's gonna die like yeah and he's just like nope i'm gonna stop and turn around it's like hell with this i'm going home like it's like everything he does is cool his negotiation is good all that kind of stuff is like yeah it's i I agree with you he's he's great i i I I love sergeant powell sergeant powell's great yes it makes a little cameo in, in number two as well I also kind of noticed it seems like uh, like Bruce Willis calls him pal several times. And I'm like, is that his name or is he saying P-A-L? Pal, pal. yeah. <laughs> you know? Because he I, is a pal. Not a lot, but he calls, him, a, Al. He calls him, him he calls him Al a lot too. Yeah. So, I mean, it's yeah. both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, I noticed... Um, so John McClane uh, utilizes elevators and elevator shafts. Yes, he a does a lot. Like very much so. 
That's a big part of this movie. Yep. They're obviously in a, a sky rise, a skyscraper. Yes. Uh, have you ever been stuck in an elevator? I can't believe I'm going to tell this story. I've never been stuck in an elevator, but I've caused an elevator to be stuck. <laughs> so um, I, at my old job, I will rename name. Uh, it'll remain nameless just for the sake of this story, just so. But um, anyway, so there was an elevator that it was only like one or two floors. But whenever somebody was in there, we, f- we realized if you put your just kind of like hit it with your shoulder and it's going up, it'll stop briefly and then keep going. And so somebody told me this and I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And I had some friends in there. So I did it and I put too much shoulder into it and it stopped it and it stopped it cold. And I think it was, uh, the elevator didn't move for an hour. Nobody was stuck in there for like hours. I think they were in there for five minutes and they got it and they got down. But I mean, like I ran away and like, I was like, I'm pretty sure I'd have probably been fired. But it's yeah. I've never but I, I've never been stuck in an elevator, but I have caused others to be stuck in an elevator. <clears throat> have you been stuck in an elevator? I have. You have. How was it? Uh, well, here was my biggest problem. Uh, so the police department I worked for, uh, they're headquartered in a very old building. Mm. And that elevators are equally old old, and they were notorious about, I mean, they were horrible. Sure. Sure. Well, uh, cause I mean, they would just break down on you and then you're in between floors and Mm -hmm. I got stuck in between floors, had to push the rescue button. This is as a cop. <laughs> You're like, well, all my training like, is not, not doing me any good. <laughs> yeah, because like whenever Bruce Willis, like he does it very cleanly. He's like, oh, this is all I got to do. Open it up. And dink, and it's like, there's none of that. I, I never got that training. Or even the, like the uh, sounds of the lambs, like, oh, pull the thing down, climb up. Nope, that's not there either. Like it's, nah. it's not really how elevators work. Yeah, but my biggest problem was I had a dip in. Oh, no. <laughs> and you i didn't have a spit cup <laughs> and i'm in an elevator and so i was like spitting down the crack <laughs> so there's a and then there's, like trying to shove it down there there's a there's a famous video of a guy getting stuck in an elevator and he's able to open the doors but it's concrete like he's he can't do anything with it and he's there for i think eight hours and he Ooh. pees like three times and he pees three yeah. times just like through the door he's like well, what am i gonna do i gotta pee like <laughs> yeah and yeah uh yeah you gotta eat some crow whenever the fire department lets you out of your like, own what's building. all this is like eh, what i was there for a while like who who knows how long it's gonna be there <laughs> um let's see okay at one point uh they mention helsinki syndrome yes Helsinki, as in Helsinki, Finland. Finland. <laughs> Finland. I know. I know. It's uh, always makes yeah. me laugh. <laughs> what? What is? That's not a thing. No. Yeah. But what is the actual syndrome called? Whenever uh, hostages become uh, uh, connected to their hostage takers. Um. I. 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 I all I think of is uh, it's it's not it. I think of the Florence Nightingale syndrome. 
Like, I, I, I know that's not what it is, but that's always what I think of. That's when nurses or doctors mm-hmm. grow with their patients. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, um, uh, oh, I almost had it. It's, it's not Copenhagen, is it? It's a, uh, oh, no, I don't. Stay in the Nordic. I, I'm stay, almost there. So it's, stay uh, up there. yes, it's, uh, um, oh man, I am, this is killing Just me. Just think capitals. Uh, uh, Scandinavia. It's not Reykjavik. It's <laughs> no, um, too far uh, over. It's not other it's, side uh, of the Atlantic. Okay, so um, uh, uh, Stockholm, Stockholm syndrome. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. There was a hostage taking incident in Stockholm, and basically all the or many of the um, hostages became. Uh, friendly, sympathetic, sympathetic and compassionate. Yeah, I mean, like you see, you've seen, the, you've seen the the negotiator, like yeah. with yeah, great example of that of like, okay, I understand his plight. Now, the funny, the great thing this film does is it's like they're talking about the Helsinki syndrome, and it's like they're growing closer as they're dragging Ellis's dead body out. Like <laughs> it's like nobody's nobody's getting even close. Nobody's even liking anybody. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny. The Helsinki syndrome. I was I, like, I, yeah, that's that's a good one. I, I forgot that that was even Stockholm. Yeah. Um. Okay. Do you think? So we mentioned, uh, I believe, a couple episodes ago about gunfights in movies yes. and accurate round count. Yes. Round counts and everything like this. This was one of the greatest offenders I've ever watched. Really, really, I, I, you know, he. There's they, one they, scene where everyone's just hosing it down. I'm is like, is it? Is it that, the? Uh, well, I would imagine the the shooting the glass scene. Those two just unload into that glass without un, with unrelenting, just like, well, I'm I'm gonna have an unlimited amount of bullets, so I'm gonna knock out every glass I can. Um, yeah, so. Yeah. Have have you ever on that note, have you ever shot a fully automatic weapon? I have not shot a fully automatic weapon. I have uh it's always been semi um with you or with with others or um I I'm not sure I've seen like been in the presence of a fully automatic weapon. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean obviously as a police officer you're around it occasionally. Yeah. Yeah, and usually, I mean, the fully automatic weapons were reserved for special units and sure, stuff. Sure, But, uh, yeah, a couple times on the range. Um, so the MP5, the submachine gun? Yes. That, I mean, it's in a lot of it. Uh, I've fired one of those on full auto with a 30-round mag. They go like that. I it's- mean, it's like, yeah, they're just done. Yeah, it's, I mean, like, if 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 they're firing, you know, let's say six rounds a minute, six rounds a second, that's five seconds. Like, that's just doesn't take very long. The cyclical rate of uh, H and K MP5, which is what those weapons are, is eight hundred rounds per minute. Eight hundred rounds per minute. So, okay, I mean, you just you do the quick math of like, okay, well, if if that's the case, then. 
30 rounds just is not going to take very long to get rid no, of. No, <laughs> I think it was under, it was like, uh, I think I did the math, but it was like 20 seconds. Yeah, that sounds right. Like for something. And I, I thought that sounded generous to so me. I mean, but. like if, if 800 rounds, a, 800 rounds a minute, every, you know, every three seconds is 40 rounds. So, so it's probably two and a half. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, never trust my math, uh, but, but hey. still, but still, I mean, they're, they're giving mag, they're giving mags that have 30, 40 rounds. Maybe they don't have like, they don't have gun belts. <laughs> no, it's, uh, the MP fives. It's either, it's typically either a 15 round mag or a 30 round mag. Yeah. I think most of those are 30 round mags, but, yeah. um, yeah. And 800 rounds per minute like that's not realistic like no, you're no, not yeah. gonna fire that's just the rate well i mean you see those but videos it, you see those videos of blow guns. up a barrel yeah exactly you see those videos of, of barrels melting and yes like, yes they're not designed to do that yeah right yeah um let's see worst foot injury you ever had <sighs> uh broke my foot when i was 13 um i uh I was playing basketball um, a middle school basketball team got hit in the air, landed on my foot and it kind of went out um, at the, you know, just kind of went to the side and was like, okay, well that kind of hurt, but I'll be all right. And then I couldn't walk and couldn't walk for about a day. Got it uh, x-rayed and got a, um, got, uh, I was just a straight fracture, like didn't have to do anything crazy, but I was on, I was off my foot for six weeks. Um, mm -hmm. So that wasn't it. Like as a 13 year old made my arms look good, but I didn't really think of like my foot. It, it was, it was blinding pain whenever you step on it. And, oh yeah. And I also, I have had, uh, I've had tendonitis in my foot um, mm -hmm. from overrunning uh, just, you know, too much work on it. And that's very unpleasant, but that eventually goes away. Um, I also had a thing probably six months ago. It had a very fancy name, but it essentially just as comes down to like, a bone bruise where essentially whenever I would do any exercise, I would just fall flat. Like I, I would, if, if I was up high, I would just land as opposed to swing down and come from a more reasonable distance. And I'd start doing that so often. It felt like I had a golf ball in my foot. Yeah. And it was, it, it sucked. It was very unpleasant. Um, foot injuries, they're almost like back injuries. Like, yeah. man, they, when you get them, you can't think of much else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're tough. That's, uh, you know, I, I, I used to run all the time. And yeah. so I've just had, I don't think I've ever broke my foot or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just a sprained ankle or something. It's just, I like, have a, golly, I'm just trying to walk to the bathroom here. And I have I'm a friend to who, collapse. I have a friend who played high school football and he was tackling a guy and he had him by the foot and he had wrapped him around and mm -hmm. as he wrapped his Achilles popped. Yeah. And Ooh. he said the, 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 the guy he was tackling said, not only did his Achilles pop, he popped right next to his ear. Said it sounded like a gunshot. Yeah. He said, and, and he just hears. Ah! So, I mean, like, and I have a couple of friends who have popped Achilles and each one of them are just like, no, it is terrible. And, and I've heard something, uh, 
about that is that they're under such tension that it'll, a lot it'll of times roll, it'll, it'll roll up like a yeah like up a, in, into the calf oof, oof, uh, oof. that i'd rather not do that <laughs> yeah right <laughs> all right well final one for you okay all right like i mentioned sergeant powell um he's he's probably my favorite supporting actor yep and john mccain needs that lifeline yes yes over the radio yes he's his he, only way to get resources help communicate on what's empathy. going on yes yes, yes. oh def definitely that because obviously um, pretty fucking unappreciated al <laughs> yeah i'm feeling yeah yeah obviously yeah pretty yeah. much everyone else is is a dick to him and yeah he, um yeah so yeah he's really his emotional support system and i mean communication and ultimately physical support system sure and whenever they get out of the building and it's said and done they haven't seen each other nope. but they recognize each other and yep. so who is your sergeant pal who has pulled your ass out of a pickle when they didn't have to um you know i had i you know i've been in some tough situations in my life where i've had friends that i didn't expect to show up show up um i had a friend mm. like uh I had a rough relationship fall apart and I had a friend who yeah. was there empath uh, empathetically. Like I was like, man, he like, I, I, it's never really been something I expected him to show up for uh, a guy named Toby he used to be my, uh, used to be a boss of mine um, showed up and really like, kind of help me get through it and, you know, empathize with it. And it's, it's, it's not that he wasn't always my friend. It was just, I didn't expect him to come through in the way that he came through. And yeah, it was, it's always something I'll always remember. It was like, you know what? It's like, it, Toby really was there when he didn't have to be. Like, obviously like you or our parents or my wife or something, it's like, oh, well, we have that bond over some, but it's like, yeah. Toby, didn't, Toby didn't have to do that. And he really got me through a tough time that otherwise he, like, if he was under no obligation to do it, and if he didn't, I wouldn't have ever thought any less of him than I do today. Like, right. like sure. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be looking around going like, man, he could have really helped me out. It was something he went above and beyond to do. And so that's why yes. he's kind of the one I go to. So thanks, Toby. I appreciate you out there. Hell yeah. Good on you, Toby. Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's, that's when you find out who's... Yep. Who's legit? Who doesn't? Who who does? Who doesn't have to do it? They don't have to do it, and you're in the shit, and yep. they just jump in the shit with you. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Shout out, Toby. I hope you're listening. If you're not, subscribe, like, rate, review. Yep. <laughs> hey, Johnny B and Q. You know who you are. That's right. Thank you. Thank you, you for always jumping in the shit with me everybody's got their everybody's got their people they don't need that they went out of their way and we all appreciate it thank you all very much i owe my life to johnny so am i finally out of the hot box jake yeah you can leave 
All right. That just about does it for this episode of the Film Critic of the Common Man. Thank you so very much for joining us. You can follow me on Twitter and Neb has been in a letterbox and Neb810 on Instagram at Ben Miller Movies. Check out my website, Ice Cream Freaks. More, more, more reviews this week. Oscar contenders, Women Talking, and Babylon uh, got reviews coming out this week. Um, you can follow my other writing in the Film Experience and Cinema Scholars, going back and forth, doing a bunch of stuff over there. Find me on other pods as I'm the David Pulis of Podcasting. Jake, where can the people find you? Shoeless in the middle of a glass strewn room? Uh, definitely not there. <laughs> uh, let me just say this. Anywhere you find me, I'm not shoeless. Not shoeless. <laughs> the lack of shoeless Jake Miller. I mean. <laughs> no, I have quality footwear on at all times. <laughs> Make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Critic Common Pod. And please like, subscribe, rate, and review. Enjoy the show wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so very much for uh, listening these last couple of days. Uh, our Christmas vacation episode is our highest watched show ever. Yeah. Um, we very much appreciate it. Thanks to yeah. everybody. Um, Seriously. Mostly because of how Jake laughs at whenever I said Peter Hole. But um, yeah. regardless, it, any, you know, anyway. I will say on. when I fell off the goddamn ladder. <laughs> My Peter hole wasn't open. <laughs> oh man, we're that kind of podcast people. We got a uh, we got some more Christmas going, and as we we mentioned it earlier in the week, uh, we're uh, earlier in the episode, we're going to do Elf next week. Um, mm -hmm. Should be a much more fun, more wholesome time. But regardless, uh, it should be a good one. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks so much. Yippee, motherfucker! <laughs>